Cornucopia Radio presents The following show contains violent scenes, acts of a sexual nature and strong language throughout. It might also contain flashing imagery and small traces of nuts. It is unsuitable for children, pets, old people, pregnant mothers, gay people, straight people, bisexual people, white people, black people, people of any skin colour, people with skin, people without skin, and people called George. You are strongly advised not to listen to the following programme and to turn off your radio straight away. Unless you don't want to, in which case, nah. And I'm going to tell you the story of E.T. You can read along with me in your book as you listen to the story. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Suffer from paranoia? Spend too much time indoors? Are you addicted to Rice Krispies and had a childhood fixation with He-Man? Did you take early retirement at 21? Would you break your leg for money? Do you have hallucinatory visions of the Chuckle Brothers? Do you find you laugh just a bit too much when someone says something funny? Did you used to be addicted to pig donuts? Do you think the world is run by the wrong people, or in fact it's impossible for the world to be run by any people? Do you wish that the Wombles were real? Do you think you're losing touch with the kids? Does your mum still buy your clothes? Does your dad wear in your shoes for you? Do you think that everything around you is bland and getting blander? you like this music, then there's no hope. There is hope. No hope. This week's secret word is Judith Chalmers. And like that, we're back on the air. A show which nobody listens to on a station no one has heard of. But that's not going to stop us, because we're having fun. And also, we're stealing audio equipment when nobody is looking. This is the Cornucopia Radio Show, and we've got a selection of comedy sketches, some short plays, the odd slice of poetry, and a few monologues. And if you behave yourself, we promise not to play any jingles featuring audio beat poet Benjamin Zephaniah. We've got a large ragtag collection of performers and writers who are going to entertain you for the next 60 minutes. But if you want even more than that, check out our website at cornucopia-radio.co.uk or maybe facebook.com slash cornucopia dot radio 
or maybe even twitter.com slash cornucopia radio. Of course, if you don't want to, then don't bother. We just hope you die a slow, painful death. That's all. Waiter? Yes? There seems to be an animal in my soup. What kind of animal, sir? Um, a hamster, I think. A hamster? Yes, yes. And I'd like a new bowl of soup, please. Are you sure it's a hamster? Well, I know what I'm looking at, matey. And at this precise moment, what I'm looking at is a small, hamster-like creature drinking my starter. Now, would you please bring me a new bowl of soup, one without a hamster in it? Ah, I know what's happened, sir. It's not a hamster in your soup, it's a guinea pig. The cook must have forgotten to remove it before it came out to you. What? Yes, we serve them in all the soups. If the guinea pig lives, we know the soup is safe to eat. If it dies, then we know someone is trying to poison you. Well, that's got to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. This creature is beating me to my own soup. He's almost finished it all. Just be thankful it wasn't poisoned. So what are you saying? Is poisoned soup a common occurrence at this restaurant? That all depends on what you mean by a common. Look, let me put it to you this way. Has anybody ever been given poisoned soup? No, never. Well, not since we started putting the guinea pigs in first. I see. And how many guinea pigs have died from drinking poisonous soup? Well, it's hard to tell. Guinea pigs don't really have any natural swimming abilities, so some may have drowned. So how many have died, including possible soup-based drownings? Approximately. Yes. How many guinea pigs have approximately died in your soup? Approximately. Exactly 25. So this restaurant has prepared 25 poisonous bowls of soup? Oh, we've had 25 accidental rodent drownings. It all depends on your viewpoint. Um, okay, right. Tell me, do you get many customers coming back to this restaurant? Well, we are on a major high street, so we do see a constant flow of new patrons. But it doesn't really bother you that you'll never get repeat business from any sane human beings? Well, that's the way it goes. Some people have no concern for their own safety, do they? Yes, you can eat in another restaurant if you want to. Sure, see if we care. Go somewhere that doesn't taste as food of sterilized lab animals. But do you have any idea how many people are killed by poisoning in restaurants each year? Do you? No. Do you? No. It's probably millions. But not us. Not us. We have not had one customer die of poisoning. Not one. Yeah, I can believe it. It's probably because nobody eats anything here. Who in their right mind is going to eat a bowl of soup that they've just picked a hamster out of, sterilised or not? It's a guinea pig. I don't care if it's the last surviving dodo. And besides, it doesn't even matter now. This little bug has just finished the last bit off. And obviously it wasn't poison. You could have eaten it assured of your safety. Oh, a lot of good that does me now. Well, you could still lick the guinea pig if you wanted to. Lick the guinea pig? Lick the guinea pig? That's your idea of fine dining, is it? What's next? Do I get to French kiss a rhino for the main course? Well, perhaps if I'm lucky, I might get to felch a penguin for dessert. Well, have it your way, sir. I'll go back to the kitchen and get the chef to prepare you another bowl. 
And because you do seem a little concerned, we'll only dip the guinea pig's head in ever so slightly, just so he can get a little sip. Are you mad? Didn't you hear what I've just said? Just a little sip, sir? No, the only thing I want to see in my bowl of soup is soup. Do you understand? Fine, the customer is always correct. Hey, aren't you going to take away this empty bowl and full guinea pig? What are you looking at anyway? Uh, waiter? Yes, sir? My guinea pig has just died. Oh, that's a shame. Maybe he had a heart condition. A heart condition? What are you telling me? That this hamster lived a stressful life? As far as I can tell, all he did was drink soup. Are you sure he wasn't poisoned? No, sir. I'm sure your guinea pig's untimely death had nothing to do with the soup. It already finished the entire bowl. If your soup was poisonous, he would have surely shuffled this mortal coil earlier. Well, some poisons can be slow reacting, you know. Sir, there is nothing to worry about. Our guinea pigs are all professional taste testers. Now here's your new fresh bowl of soup. Please enjoy. A bowl of soup? Yes. And it's not poisoned, is it? Well, about the guinea pig, it's hard to tell. You see, I, I was thinking that maybe I... Are you saying that you would like another guinea pig, sir? Um... Actually, better make it two, just to be on the safe side. As you wish, sir. Jonathan is totally made out of cardboard and is sadly unable to enjoy the rich life most of us take for granted. He is a 2D man living in a 3D world. Water is highly dangerous as severe wilting could occur. Open flames are an obvious danger and last time he went outside a strong gust of wind blew him across three counties. However, there are still a few select benefits he can take advantage of. For example, he is able to travel much cheaper than most of us, as any trip only costs standard large letter postage. He has also forged himself a vital role at his workplace, mainly by wedging himself under the meeting room table with the rickety short leg. My name is Jonathan, and I am made out of cardboard. This is my story. It is a story of determination, of courage, of being folded seven or eight times at most. That's Freaks of Nature, the Cardboard Man. Eight o'clock tonight, only on Channel 5. I want you to die with my hands round your throat Or with me in the castle and you in the moat And everyone you know stood around laughing
The Cornucopia Radio Show on Sheffield Live. The only thing left that stands between us and 60 minutes of dead air. Yes? Mr Tracy is here to see you. Oh good, show him in. Hello, Mr. Tracy, and welcome to Jerry Anderson's Puppet Pleasure Agency. I'm Captain Scarlet Woman. Please be seated. Thank you. Now, you better wait a minute whilst the uh, Puppet Master gets me in the right position to sit down. Okay, a bit to the left, a bit forward, and to the right, a bit. Yeah, now down. Yes. Right. Comfortable. As comfortable as puppet can be. Then we shall begin. We offer full puppet sex with no strings attached. Excellent. Now, allow me to introduce you to the five temptresses who provide the salacious service. These are the Thunderbirds. They cater for all puppetry needs. However, for the more Upmarket customer, we also have Lady Penelope, the lady who does. Well, it all looks very promising, I must say. But what about clients who like it rough, raw and wild? <laughs> In which case, they will require my service. Your service? Why, why yes. 
As Captain Scarlet Woman, I'm indestructible. I see. So do you cater for all ages? Absolutely. For example, Lady Penelope regularly pleasures dear old Joe, who's 90. But you would have to be gentle with someone of his age. Well, obviously, yes, but we do tailor our service to the client. Our agent's aim is to excite, not to intimidate. After all, they are the Thunderbirds and not the Terror Hawks. Okay. Now, there is the issue regarding puppetry genitalia. I've heard that Thunderbirds are go, but how can they if they have nothing to go with? They go with their imagination. Imagination? How does that work? I think a demonstration is what you need. Okay, pick an agent. Any one of the five Thunderbirds. All right. Thunderbird 3. Excellent choice. The most astronautical, most exciting. Okay, do your thing. We'll leave you love birds to it. Mr. Tracy, I'm so pleased you chose me. I'm the astronaut, Thunderbird 3, and I'm sure I'll satisfy you. Okay, Thunderbird 3. So, what do you want me to do? Good. Now, focus. You are getting into my spaceship. Okay. I'm getting into your spaceship. My spaceship is revving up. Really? Anybody who gets into my spaceship is guaranteed to be blasted into outer space. Oh, yeah? Out of the world, out of the galaxy, out of the stratosphere. Yes, let's take off. Please, let's take off. Please, let's take off. Take off now. Take off now. Take off now. Okay, we just need the countdown to the climax. Five, four, How was it for you? Hot. Really, really hot. Like a fireball. XL5. How about you? F. A. B. Cornucopia Radio Show. Because you never forget how to fall off a bike. I've been studying the infinite monkey theorem for many years, and I guess you could call me one of the leading experts in the field. I'm sure you're all aware of the theory. 
It states that a million monkeys hitting random keys will eventually take the greatest works of literature. <laughs> However, in a bold move, I've recently adapted this theory, basically keeping it the same, but making the groundbreaking decision that dressing them in silly hats will, if not help, at least make things a little bit funnier. <laughs> I, I have a particular fondness for dressing baboons in 10-gallon hats, gibbons in sombreros, chimpanzees in stovepipes, and bonobos in burlers. So far, the monkeys have pretty much typed complete garbage. Yes, I admit, occasionally they may have created a full Tom Clancy, maybe a Jeffrey Archer or even a partial Tam Brown, but frankly this is often less enjoyable than the random garbage, which, as I've also noted, often makes more sense. This is my story. That's Crazy Science, Monkeys in Mortarboards, 8 o'clock tonight, only on Channel 5, straight after CSI Rotherham. His name was Professor Richard Dawkins, and he was alone. Some say his village had been ransacked by barbarians, burnt down to the ground. His friends, his family, his children, he was the only one left. And now, he wandered these great lands on horseback, passing from town to town, begging and stealing where he could, trying to find some kind of meaning to life. But every day, he found himself believing in fewer things than the last. His name was Professor Richard Dawkins. And this week, he stopped believing in the following. The Tears of Small Children That a picture can paint a thousand words he thinks it can paint a couple of hundred at best. The legality of the Louisiana Purchase. A thing called love. That you can believe it's not butter, or believe so stupid, especially ones about butter. Miracles, although he does believe you're a sexy thing, but this is beside the point. That Peter Frampton has ever come alive? Taking two bottles into the shower? Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Although he admits parts 1 and 2 were acceptably believable. That, that was the card he was thinking of. He wasn't even thinking about a card. He was thinking about how religious people are stupid. That's all he ever thinks. 
that no man is an island. After all, he's never seen you and Malta in the same room together. Just coincidence, hey? That yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and that today is a gift. Which is why it's called the present. Although just in case he's wrong, he'd still like to keep a hold of the till receipt. Till receipt. Till receipt. His name was Professor Richard Dawkins. No man is an island. The tears of small children. Till receipt. His name was Professor Richard Dawkins. Mike Fisher called me names and, and took my lunch money. And when I tried to get it back, he kicked me and pushed me down. And everyone laughed and I scraped my knee and it hurt. That's nice, dear. Is this the scene of your family life? You're trying to raise a child, but can't tear yourself away from your work or the TV? Well, luckily for you, we're here to help. Because at Bear Armor Tech, we have an overstock of military-grade mechanized battle suits, and we're passing the savings right onto you. That's right, six inches of galvanized bulletproof steel will protect your child from all weather conditions, wet willies, wedgies, gunfire, Indian rope burns, noogies, and thermonuclear fallout. Damn straight! Not only that, each suit is custom fitted to the weediness of your child. And boy do we have accessories! Flashlights, cup holders, his and hers backpacks, safety vests, and thanks to an overstock of our military surplus, 50 cal machine guns, RPGs, rocket pods, and napalm launchers, we're talking total child protection!
Add to that our buy now, pay later scheme and a year's warranty, we're practically giving these things away. Feel free to live your life without the natural worrying instincts of a parent spoiling your day. I'm off to school now, man! Have a nice day, sweetheart. Oh look, bargain hunt is on. Bear Armor Tech Industries, protecting your children. So you don't have to. Life. It's a funny thing, isn't it? One day you're going along minding your own business, then suddenly you have an accident and life will never be the same again. Now you can say this is fate, an unavoidable event on the journey of my life, or you can turn around and say, I did not deserve this, and pick up the phone. You need help, you need compensation, and we're here to help. Call Cornwallis Compensation free today. Talk to our operators. They'll review the seriousness of your injuries and determine the level of compensation needed to sate your thirst for vengeance. And we get results every time. Just listen to this selected group of previous satisfied customers. I was walking through the lobby at work. The cleaners had been mopping the floor and there was a wet patch of floor that wasn't clearly posted. I slipped twisting my ankle very badly and I couldn't work for weeks. I called Cornwallis Insurance. They were great and really friendly on the phone. They went out, found the cleaner responsible and broke both his arms in 12 places. I was really pleased. I was driving down the road and I stopped to let some school kids use the crossing. The driver in the van behind me mustn't have been paying attention and crashed into the back of my car. I suffered severe whiplash and my car was a write-off. I didn't know what to do so I called Cornwallis Insurance. The driver was a self-employed plumber. Cornwallis Insurance ran his business into the ground, leaving him homeless, penniless and alone. And they even shot his dog. That'll teach him. I was being discriminated against at work by my boss. I called Cornwallis Insurance. They firebombed his house, killing his entire family, and framed him for the crime. Thank you, Cornwallis Insurance. Was that all right? Our team of specially trained specialists have a range of experience from beatings, psychological warfare, to professional hired killings. And they won't stop until you've got the compensation you deserve. We're professional, discreet, and in no way will our actions be traceable back to you. 100% customer satisfaction guaranteed, or your next hit will be free. Call Cornwallis Compensation today. We screw the bastards who screwed you. It's as simple as that. That was advert! I empty my baby out my pockets to make me feel just right. I sweat dry anti-fungal cream every day and every night. You know my eye drops you every time I look for you. Get out my feet, you at me, eyes can't really so get so every my start time you don't be at look and
Welcome to another edition of Junk the Junk, the program where you get rid of all the useless things just lying around the house. So, let's begin and meet our first visitor. Tell me, where did you find this? Oh, I found it on a random scavenging trip last week. It's just been lying around the house since then. I see. Well, let's get our expert in to tell us all about it, shall we? He's already managed to grab a peek earlier, so now can give us his expert view. That's right. I've had a good gander, and I'm confident I have a rough idea what it is. And uh, is it worth a lot? They always ask that, don't they? Well, let me just say that I've seen plenty of objects like this before, although this particular one is quite old. So, is it valuable? Not necessarily. I've seen them in all sorts of conditions, but this is a particularly fine example of its type. Just look at this finish. That shows the many years of love and use it has seen. Granted, the covers do look a trifle old, but they can be replaced. Are they meant to come off? Oh yes, they aren't permanent, and it's an easy matter to replace them. It shouldn't cost too much. What about restoration? Can we make it look as good as new? Unfortunately not. I know there are places which offer a restoration service, but I wouldn't bother trying with this one. I know they say you can't tell the work's been done, but you don't have to be an expert to see when they've tried. What would it have been used for? I can't tell you that. This model was often used for all sorts of things, although just what the exact story behind it is, I wouldn't like to say. It could be anything. And did they make many of them? I'm going to surprise you now. They made millions. So what should I do with it? I was hoping to sell it and use the proceeds to go up to take a holiday. I hate to disappoint you, but I'm afraid this won't buy you a holiday. In fact, it'll barely cover a wet day trip to the country. Oh, that's a shame. Yes, I can imagine. But sometimes these things don't even make the reserve price, quite honestly. If I were you, I'd just take it back to where you found it. But can you tell us what it actually is first? It's what we in the trade call a human. One of the old age pensioner models, if I'm not mistaken. You do know it's dead as well. Look, come closer. It's often that smell that gives it away, you see. Where did you find it? In an old people's home on Earth last week. Like I said, I was on a scavenging trip. So did you pick anything else up while you were there? Well, yes, I, I came across this thing as well. Oh. Now this is an interesting find. The uh, radio management called me into the office last week they were saying that although they liked the show, they wanted me to play some more jingles to help people identify which station they were currently listening to. So, just for the management... Good morning, Sue!
simple and free Just you and me K93 That joke has backfired a little bit, because uh, I'm now confused as to what station we really are. Uh, is this Galaxy FM? Hold on, let me just check. No, no, it, it turns out I have an IQ above 50, so I can't be a Galaxy FM DJ. We don't have two girls or one cup. Your bases no longer belong to us. Charlie refuses to bite our finger. Leroy won't play Warcraft with us. And yes, although we have plenty of keyboards, we can't find any cats to go with them. I guess some might call us an epic fail because of this. However, there is one thing we do have. Interwebs! Cornucopia-radio.co.uk Facebook.com slash cornucopia.radio Twitter.com slash cornucopia-radio A reserve, a backup, a failsafe. I'm confident to know what these words mean. They're there to save your ass when plan A goes out of the window. So as I pull on the reserve chute again and again, I'm understandably a little upset. In fact, I can't help but think that a reserve parachute that doesn't open hasn't really grasped the concept of the name it's chosen for itself. 
In vain, I give the shoot one last tug for old time's sake. The nostalgic feeling of disappointment that follows is brief, but familiar. Okay, time to take stock of the situation. My main parachute hasn't opened correctly and has instead decided, in a rather drastic change of purpose, to try and strangle me. After jettisoning my neck-friendly foe, I then choose to have a quick argument with my reserve shoot about dictionary definitions, and finally, after running out of better options, started falling towards the ground at 120 miles per hour. Oh, I think that was a fly I've just swallowed. I look around for help, hoping that one of the other jumpers will notice that I'm trying the rather difficult sand support method of skydiving. I eventually tilt my head upwards and see what looks like five perfectly opened and undeniably smug parachutes attached to what are probably five relieved jumpers. I also briefly catch a glimpse of a seagull, giving me a look which seems to suggest don't look at me for help, mate. You belong up here as much as I belong down there driving the number 72 to Finchley. I begrudgingly conceded that he has a point. My mind rattles off the numerous possibilities that might occur over the next few minutes the majority of which seemed to end with my good self making a Rorschach ink blot somewhere on the ground beneath. A ground which appears far too eager to help for my liking. So at this point, with nobody else to blame, I arrive at the decision that this has all been Sir Isaac Newton's fault. I briefly consider flapping my arms like a bird, hoping that humans somehow have an innate ability to fly which we've never truly exploited. However... I'm pretty sure that damn seagull is still around here somewhere, and I can already imagine his sanctimonious sneer in regard to this thought. So thinking better of it, I wisely decide to avoid any embarrassing attempts at sky-based ambulation. Instead, I refocus my attention back on gravity. What if Newton and Einstein were wrong? What if gravity wasn't a universal scientific law between two bodies of mass? What if gravity was just a simple belief system that only existed because we believed in it? Or at the very least, refused to disbelieve in it enough to make any difference? I concur to myself that a thorough debate on the various postulations about the nature of epistemology is normally best conducted on the ground, and not on a direct collision course with a barren stretch of land. But I quickly realise that I have precious few options left. Gravity is something I've always taken for granted. It was always there, literally keeping my feet on the ground. So attempting to reclassify it as a belief, a belief I was about to deny, wouldn't be easy. But in the next few minutes, I knew that my life depended on it. It takes a few moments, but before long, the reasoning starts to crystallise in my mind. The apple only drops from the tree because I expect it to. Gravity only exists because I can't think of anything better to replace. There is no open All directions are undetermined. Why does the waterfall fall? People in Australia should fall into the sky. The cat should never come down. I should be able to throw rocks at the moon. Planets only orbit the sun because they are unimaginative. I never dropped that heavy plate on my foot. My foot never broke. The plate never dropped. I'm not going to die. Gravity isn't real. It's all made up. Gravity isn't real. Gravity isn't real. Gravity isn't... My eyes remain tightly closed. The wind has stopped. Everything remains still. I should be dead. Maybe I am. Is this it? Is this what death feels like? It isn't what I was expecting. I thought it would be... grander. I slowly open my eyes. The ground fills my vision as I find myself hovering slowly and gently above the earth, 
in much the same way a brick would if it could, looking around. I realise I'm probably no more than a metre from the surface. I gently regain my balance and composure, take a deep breath and step down from my hovering position, planting both feet firmly onto the surface. I slowly look around my surroundings. Somehow, it had worked. I had jumped from a plane without a working parachute and using nothing more than a simple denial of the laws of nature, I had survived. The power of denial felt good. I started wondering what else I could refuse to believe in. Perhaps you don't drown in water. Maybe eating glass won't shred your insides. And who said that nature abhors a vacuum? For all we know, they might be the best of friends. However, as I stand there, triumphantly contemplating my next bold move of disbelief, I fail to notice myself starting to float away from the ground. In fact, it takes me a good few minutes before I snap out of my mental victory lab and realise what's happening. At this point, I'm already 15 feet in the air and picking up speed fast. I start madly flailing my arms around as I keep falling higher and higher into the sky. My ultimate destination, suffocation at the edge of space. I begin to consider how I might have overdone the whole disbelieving thing. Once again, I was going to have to come up with a whole new plan. And fast. I believe in gravity. I believe in gravity. I believe in gravity. I believe in gravity. This week, I'm going to throw the cue ball quite hard at the board. It'll get a sharp cannon off the blue and wind up in treble 20. After this, I'll attempt to throw another cue ball, which will get an unfortunate bounce from the green and land in the black. And of course, I've got to keep out of the black and in the red. There's nothing in this game for two in a bed. And suddenly, boom, I've won a speedboat. Check them out at our museum I am 
Brontosaurus. I am a paleontologist. That's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am. I am a paleontologist. That's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am. That's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am. That's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am. Shut up. No matter what you have to say, I'm not listening. But it should ah! be... Look, it should ah! Not a word. I've just come out to grab a glass of water. I don't want to hear a word out of you. You're a mad, crazy, crazy man who should be fired. Now I'm going back into the studio. Oh! Ah! Just wanted to tell you not to drink the water. It's become contaminated with a rare bacterium that can cause violent vomiting and diarrhea attacks that can last up to 12 hours. Somebody should be coming to fix it within the hour. Oh yeah, that's right. You're not listening to me. Shame about that. The Cornucopia Radio Show. It likes to play around with its own formats when nobody is looking. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this, the 31st meeting of the Amalgamated Union of Scarf Makers, Hat Makers, Carrot Farmers, Twig Collectors and Coal Miners. But first, I'm pleased to announce joining us for the first time, Miss Splatchy Brown, representing the Corncob Pipe Makers Society. I'm sure you'll all join me in welcoming her into our ever-expanding union. Now, if we can just get on to the first item on the agenda. Sorry, I still don't understand. Yes, Miss Splatchy, do you have a point to raise? Look, I appreciate that you've offered me this seat in your union, but I still don't understand what you all have in common. <laughs> well, I'll admit it has been quiet these past 18 years, and some might have even forgotten why this union was formed in the first place. But still, we'll continue to meet here every year until we are called upon again. Oh, okay then. Now, on to the first item on our agenda. Sir, you better have a look at this. 
what is it, Jones? This better be good. We are in the middle of something here. This report just came in through the wire. You're going to want to see it. Give it here. <laughs> no, this can't be right. Eight to ten inches. Check it again. I've already checked it a hundred times, sir. Oh, my God. Do you know if the National Union of Gritters and Snow Shovel Makers have gotten hold of this same info? I don't think so, sir. Good. And that's the way I want it to stay, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we have a new agenda. Some of you said this day would never come, but this report from the Met Office says otherwise. We're looking at ten inches of ground coverage across the UK. Ten inches? But they'd have to close the schools for something like that. Public transport will come to a crashing halt. So much unexpected bonus leisure time. They're bound to go into the back garden, and while they're there, they're sure to build her. Yes, that's exactly what they're going to do. Okay, people, listen up. We're going to have to increase production of all our stock tenfold. Tom, I want every spare piece of coal in the UK on my desk by lunchtime. Those men are going to need eyes, goddammit. Johnson, how many carrots can you get me by the end of the day? If I pull a few strings downtown, then I can have 20,000 by the end of the day. No, 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 no. That's nowhere near enough. That'll barely cover the numbers in Kent. Uh, maybe we can supplement the numbers with parsnips. Parsnips? Parsnips? Have you ever heard of a parsnip nose? What are you thinking of, man? Sorry, sorry, I just thought... My snowman's got no nose. How does he smell? How, sir? He doesn't. He has no nose. Okay, you, I'm going to need all the twigs you've got. Chop down Sherwood Forest if you need to. You, get me at least half a million hats. Top hats are best, but we'll get by with flat caps if need be. Now, you, talk to me about pipes and just give me the facts. Don't bore me with details. That was the Cornucopia Radio Show, Part 3. Are we really allowed to broadcast that? It starred Peter Beeston, Nick Cart, and Michael Thompson. It also featured Chris Drury, Andrew Martin, Stephen Bullivant, Gillian Langley, Jason Turner, Paul Amber, Phil Mason, Wendy Davis, Chris Lloyd, Renate Reynolds, Peter Drobinski, Andrew Cannell, Laura Ray, Rex Davis, and Tim Rutherford. It was written by Peter Beeston, Nick Card, Andrew Cannell, and Phil Mason. The getaway driver was Peter Quistgard. This show was edited and directed by Peter Beeston and is copyright 2010 to Cornucopia Productions. something awful. Please let this end. Please. I can't take any more. I feel like a human water sprinkler. Oh, this is going to take some cleaning up. This is Sheffield Live, 93.2 FM. That was the last show you will hear on this radio station, as the rampaging zombie horde is almost upon us. 
We've boarded up the windows and barricaded ourselves into the studio, but it won't be long now until they're all feasting upon our brains. While we wait for this to happen, we've brought in a small child who's just learning to play the violin. We hope these pleasing sounds will make everybody's imminent death much more enjoyable. Good day to you.